This is Hemet. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. Actually, if you don't like what you're listening to, just go there anyway. <laughs> it's um, a fun site. And leave us five stars on all the, the things on the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, we're just going to get right into this. Oh, no pleasantries? Uh, no, I'm doing no. fine. Thanks for asking. Hi. Bye. <laughs> uh, I'll get to them eventually. Okay. <laughs> we'll start with this one because I think this is going to be quick. Okay. Uh, we've talked about this before, the Johnson Amendment, mm. uh, the thing that lets pastors tell you who to vote for in the pulpit. They can do that already, but the deal that we have uh-huh. is that if they want their tax exemption, like every and other nonprofit... Do then they can't tell you who to vote for. They can talk about issues like homosexuality, mm-hmm. but they can't tell you vote for this candidate. And a lot of conservatives really want them to be able to do that and funnel money through there, et cetera. Trump like, did an executive order saying, I'm repealing it. He can't do that. No, Congress, nor does he understand what it is or what it means. No. Congress tried doing it through an appropriations bill, uh-huh. but the Senate said no, and then they had to reconcile their bills. And the final version of it, did not have it in there. This was, um, I think it was late last year when that happened, but we're, it's still, they're still in charge. Uh-huh. And this week, the GOP-led House passed another appropriations bill with the Johnson Amendment repeal in it. Cool. It didn't get any attention because, believe it or not, there was other crazy-ass <laughs> stuff in the news, but it happened again. Uh-huh. The Senate's version, currently, this is to fund the IRS and some other agencies. They included this stipulation in there, basically saying uh, you can't go after it. You can't go after any churches if the pastor uh, promotes somebody from the pulpit, with one exception. They said if the commissioner of the IRS determines that there should be an exemption or, or that it should be denied, then the commissioner can override you. Okay. But otherwise, the IRS can't go after these churches. This is what passed in the House. Okay. The Senate's version doesn't have it. They're going to have to reconcile these again. But we don't know what's going to happen. And just so we're clear on this, like thousands and thousands of Christian leaders who are not the evangelical ones we often think of, uh, a lot of them have said, please don't do this. Yeah. We don't want to lose. We don't want our churches becoming political. Right. And if this tax exemption goes away, you're kind of forcing our hand. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to do that. We think we should keep these separate. Mm-hmm. And obviously, church state separation groups have said the same thing. <laughs> right. But uh, that's it. There's nothing else to say here other than, you know, contact your senators in this case mm-hmm. and say, make sure this doesn't get through. Make sure that the the Johnson Amendment repeal is not included in the final version of this this funding bill. Yeah. Uh, if you're it's, if you're interested, it's called the fiscal year 2019 financial services and general government appropriations bill. It's a it's a long title, but it's the funding for the IRS. Punchy. Tell them don't repeal the Johnson Amendment. So for the when it comes to the Johnson Amendment, yeah. the the impetus to repeal it is among GOP people who want to it's almost utilize all... the church to boost their numbers. Is that? Yeah, there's a couple. It's coming from a couple different places. There are conservative Christians, that's a lot of those non-denominational megachurches who say, seriously, let me tell people who to vote for. I have mm-hmm. a congregation that mm-hmm. is very large and like I don't like... Uh, dancing around it. They'll say, like, look, only this election's coming up, and if you care about abortion, or in their case, you know, you care about stopping abortion, Uh 
make sure you're voting your values. They'll say things like that. That is actually legal. Yeah, but and they just are like subtle. It's not, it's not like subtle. it's not like ramping up to 2016. Like people were unclear where, where their church stood. <laughs> yeah, one side or the other, people were very upfront about their beliefs. Yeah, and they just are like, just let me tell them to vote for the Republican, and not so that's part of it. The other part of it, and some pastors want to do this without getting penalized and mm-hmm. losing their tax exemption, is to say, we want to raise money because we're a nonprofit mm-hmm. and we want to... Actually, if the, the tax exemption thing wasn't an issue, they could also say, we want to donate as a church oh, or something. Oh. And remember, churches don't have the same uh, do- transparency. They don't have to list who their donors are. They don't have to list the amounts. Transparency is a thing of the past right now. (laughs) So a lot of politicians want to do this because they would be getting a lot of a lot of Republicans want to do this because churches could basically become dark money funneling places. People could give money to their church, just like Jesus. But really, the church is donating to the candidates, and it's just it's. I don't know why they want it because it basically takes away the veneer that they're actually in this for Jesus or heaven. Yeah. They're I, ju- it's just another way of doing politics, speaking a different language. Yeah. I wonder if it is sort of from, uh, you know, from a pastor's point of view, if it's a power grab of, I can make my church a huge hub for you. And in return, you'll make me your spiritual advisor and I can Yeah, or thing. you'll stop by my church or you'll hype mm. my church or, or whatever. I mean, they'll feel like they're connected to the government. That's why a lot of evangelicals uh, who are prominent mm. have signed on to Trump's spiritual advisory panel. I think one has left since they began and the others are just like, oh, he shouldn't have done that. I'm, oh not, I'm not leaving, God. but he shouldn't have done. Like, that's about as worse as they've gotten. Um, or that's the most courageous thing they've done, really. <laughs> so brave. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't really know why they think it would be good on their end to turn church into just a political game. I right. mean, people have no reason to go to church now. Like, we see the numbers <laughs> dwindling. I imagine that a lot of people would just not want to be part of it oh, if yeah, that happened. For sure. If, like, especially when you get, you know, the political kind of election fatigue around yeah, when in it's the fall, Sunday morning the it's a weekend don't do. make me think about this yeah. now so anyway uh here's a different political story but it kind of goes along uh similar lines cuz everything does <laughs> uh, in pencil uh in Pennsylvania there uh-huh. is a governor named Tom Wolf he is a democrat he's running for re-election this year okay uh he's favored to he win he said uh, governor governor okay. yeah he's favored to win it's a it leans democratic fine uh, a guy named Scott Wagner is the Republican opponent trying to challenge him. I think he's a former state senator. He has some government experience and name recognition. Uh-huh. Um, I believe he already won the primary. Uh, and he's going to be up against Tom Wolf in November. And one of the things that's interesting about this guy, as you do the opposition research, as you learn about this guy's past, is that at a conference for like the gas industry, the fossil fuel industry, last year, not a long time ago, uh-huh. he was basically making a typical conservative speech. Like, yeah, we should drill. No, we don't want to preserve. Drill, baby, drill. Yeah, why not? And one of the things he said is that, you know, climate change, he said, yeah, may it, maybe it's happening, but we don't really have to worry about it. 
And this is specifically what he said. He, he did this thing that a lot of conservatives do. Like, I accept climate change. I just don't think man has anything to do with it. Or, you know, we can't control it. There's nothing this we can do to stop it. This is the body heat guy, is it? Oh, body heat guy. So here's <laughs> what he says. Quote, I haven't been in a science class in a long time, but the earth moves closer <laughs> to the sun start, every my dude. But the earth moves closer to the sun every year. You know, the rotation of the earth. We're moving closer to the sun. I'll pause there. Uh, First of all, what? Like what rotation of the earth does not really have this impact on the climate. Imagine that's it's like a top that it keeps like wobbling closer <laughs> yeah. in. And if it just keeps wobbling, it'll yeah. do inception wait, and wait, fall down wait, or something. Is that a thing? I, are what? we moving closer to the sun? We are not. Okay, I didn't so think it was, but it, he said it was such it, white We're in confidence. an elliptical orbit, yeah. so sometimes we're going closer to the sun and sometimes further away. Okay. But if he, if we, seriously, we were moving closer and closer every year. Yeah, with like, significant enough movement to affect our change. Oh, yeah. yeah no. Then he, he thinks we're getting warmer because we're getting closer and closer but that would mean we're getting out of our orbit and we're going to get sucked in. So he's basically a scientist. We're not getting closer. If anything, maybe we're moving slightly further away from it, but that's a different story. And then he goes on to say, we have more people, you know, humans have warm bodies. Yes, 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 yes. is, Is heat coming off? Things are changing, but I think we are as a society doing the best we can. No, we're not. Um, by the way, unquote. A, no, we're no. not. But like humans having warm bodies also that not is how climate change incredible. works. Incredible. Okay, so this happened last year. Uh-huh. Everyone knows he said this. Like they're going to use it against him. This is not a surprise. But he was doing a town hall meeting this week. And of course, there is a environmentalist group in the area that's one of those like, we're going to show up and ask you about this mm-hmm. stuff. Good on them. Uh, they showed up... A, 18-year-old woman named Rose Strauss was the representative from that organization who was at his particular town hall meeting. 18. And she shows up and she asks a question and she got called on to ask it. And basically, she questioned his belief that climate change has something to do with body heat. How dare she? And she also point blank said, like, I'm not quoting here. She said, like, does your anti-science stance have something to do with the fact that you've gotten $200,000 from these fossil fuel companies? Yes, girl, yes! (laughs) So good on her for asking the question. And he didn't just defend the climate change denial. What he said to her (laughs) was, well, I appreciate you being here. You're 18 years old. No, stop it. You know, bad, you're bad, a, start. You're a little young and naive. <gasps> <laughs> and then he said other bullshit that doesn't matter. But you're young and naive. What? Sit a down, little girl. Rick. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. What's this about. guy's name? Dick Wolf? A uh, guy who's not going to be governor. Uh, his name is Scott Wagner. <laughs> and Dick Wolf is Dick the executive Wolf is producer. SVU guy. Yes. <laughs> Not CSI. CSI? SVU. SVU? How do I know this? I don't know. Because <laughs> you watch bad TV. I watch excellent TV like The Great British Bake Off. Nicely done. Um, yeah. Better to be, as one person said on uh, Twitter, which I loved, better to be young and naive than old and corrupt. I was going to say, like, and old and an asshole. She's, she's young as if like her 18, being 18 makes her unqualified to ask a totally legitimate question. He yeah. wouldn't, it's not like he would have been like, oh, you're 40? All right, I'll answer it. No. So, like, don't dismiss her for her age. It was a good question. And then, naive. 
She's right. What a Like, she's the one who face. knows about climate change. She's the guy who hasn't taken a science class and brags about it. Yeah, she just took a science class last year at yeah. high school. She said to a yeah. reporter later, like, I could tell he was being dismissive of me as a woman and a young person. Good. Yeah. She knows. Oh, my God. I'm so embarrassed for him. Right? So he's Fuck running for governor. Guy. Yes. Uh, do you want to go? Is, did he get primaried? You said he's a uh, Democrat, I, right? No, no, no. I mean, Wagner is the Republican who's going up against Wolf. Oh, okay. You so I didn't make up guy. Wolf. You didn't make up Wolf. Oh, Wolf God. is the Democrat. Thank God. I thought I had a little stroke. No, it's all good. That's coming later in the show. <laughs> I don't know. Let's, <laughs> let's go to the one. I think uh, you had something about this. Maria Butina. Yeah, Butina. Maria Butina. So... This has been a wild week, even in comparison to all of the other wild weeks that we've had since November 2016. Um, So it turns out a Russian spy infiltrated the uh, NRA. Um, So this woman is, and and I would say not well. Like, she wasn't super stealthy on it. No, she was pretty, I mean, when you have a Facebook page with your real name on it. Yeah. So, so um, her, Maria Butina, it's Butina or Butina? One of the other. Butina, we're going to call it. Mm-hmm. She's a 29-year-old American University graduate student, and she tried to broker secret meetings between Trump and Putin um, and establish a back-channel line of communication. So this was... And she just got arrested for all this, which is how we kind of know, oh, she's a bad one. Yes. So she was in a relationship of some type... <laughs> With Paul Erickson, who's 30 years her senior. Um, he's a former media advisor. Um, in addition to other things that he is, um, I did find out he's a former media advisor to John Wayne Bobbitt. Do you okay. remember who that is? Yes. He's a gentleman who had his uh, his peen cut off by his wife. I don't know a lot about that story, actually. I know way too much about that story. Why? I think they're... Either Lorena's making a movie about it, or like both of them have been doing, or uh, Lorena Bobbitt has been doing media about it. Well, apparently, and I can't remember why he went on. John Wayne Bobbitt went on like a national tour and yeah. like sold knives called that said <laughs> "loves her, love hurts" on them. It's wild <laughs> stuff. It's um, like it's the sort of story that would take your attention before Trump came around, right? Like this would have been. This would have been the craziest story right. of twenty of Hillary Clinton's right. twenty eighteen. Uh, yeah, and now it's like, but uh, when did that happen? Twenty twenty five years ago. It happened when yeah, I was a kid. Nineties, so whatever. Um. So anyway, so that so the, um, are we talking about Paul Erickson. <laughs> oh right, media consultant for he's him. media consultant. So he's just connected to um to the right in general, specifically the Christian right, and um I think I'm in. He's in his late fifties. And who she played him, like, in a way that I feel pretty embarrassed for him. I mean, I don't even care about the age difference, but it's like, when that sort of thing happens, you have to wonder, someone's in this for some reason. Well, I was listening to uh, either Pod Save America or Hysteria, one of those crooked media ones, and somebody who worked in the White House was like, if you are anywhere and anybody foreign starts to flirt with you... (laughs) It's a big fucking red flag, (laughs) and apparently nobody told this dude. Right. Um, so, so the thing that was surprising. So the the important thing is not only did did this woman infiltrate the NRA, but she also used these connections through Erickson to infiltrate the religious right in yeah. in leading up to the the 2016 election. So, for example, there's um, 
a guy named Eric uh, Metac- Metaxis? Metaxis. Metaxis? Yeah, he's one of these guys who wrote one book that got rave reviews from critics. Was it about Texas? About, no, or it, was Texas? A, it was about uh, 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 something to do with World War II. Uh, Bonhoeffer. Oh no! You know what? It was about it was about a guy who um, was persecuted by the the Nazi Party for standing opposed to the Holocaust. That's right. So this guy was and like, he wrote a historical book about that guy that got really good reviews, and yeah. now he thinks of himself as like I'm this intellectual yeah. who happens to be a conservative, but I wrote this book that got all these good reviews. But everything about him screams like religious right conservative views, Rush Limbaugh types. Despite the fact that he wrote a book that was like, I feel like we see a lot of revisionist history books from the right. Yeah, that one did not, I did not see that one get the same treatment. No, from what I understand, it was a good, good telling of that particular story. So Metaxas gets involved in this, why? Um, So she went on his show, he had a show, um, uh, I think it was a radio show, all I saw was show, Mm -hmm. so maybe it was a podcast. Is it radio? Um, so they discussed gun rights and religious freedom. And so she's coming to the table with like this whole Russia and America need to get together on like on gun rights, which I just found out like Russia, Russia has... doesn't do gun rights or guns. But or... I mean, they have like strict gun laws yeah. and it's like, oh, yeah, you need to get your permit renewed every five years. <laughs> you have to be over 18. Cool. That sounds fair. So she um, so she worked for um, several years as the assistant to Alexander Torshin, who is a, a Russian, a senior Russian um, official, beloved by the prayer breakfast crowd in Washington. His favorite issues included gun rights and religious freedoms. Of course, it is. Um, and he was a regular attendee of the National Prayer this Breakfast. Is, um, here's what's interesting about the National Prayer Breakfast. Every day, there's like that National Day of Prayer mm-hmm. that they basically just co-opted. As a, you know what, it's it's a national day of prayer for everybody, but really it's just like, conservative Christians. <laughs> Asterisks, just Christians. <laughs> it's not like there's a lot of Muslims showing up on to D.C. Right. on that day, whatever. Um, but on the national day of prayer, they also do this national prayer breakfast, mm-hmm. which the president is invited to and usually speaks at. Uh-huh. O- Obama did it many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trump did it too, for obvious reasons now. But the <laughs> thing about this gathering is that because so many big name people come to it, including the president, and including a lot of big wigs on Capitol Hill, and a lot of religious right figures, uh-huh. they all show up to the National Prayer Breakfast. And it's not, if I wanted to chat with some of these powerful people in D.C., there's a couple ways to do it. Yeah. One is I can make an appointment with their office, uh-huh. let me sit and talk to you, but now there's records of it. Right. But if I don't want anyone to know, you show up to the party. On. Yeah, you show up at the party Eat that the guy's going to be at. Yeah. And this is what happened. Like the National Prayer Breakfast is this wonderful way of networking among mm. people and, and lobbying mm. among people who really don't want anyone to know they're, they're lobbyists right. or lobbying for these issues. They don't want a record of it. So when they say she infiltrated the National Prayer Breakfast... She had the in had to in that with crowd. These she used it to try to persuade people in power mm-hmm. of the same thing she talked to Metaxas about. Right. And that's what they mean when they say, like, she had this in. She used them. Because what were they going to do? They don't care. She supports religious freedom. She, she likes our the breakfast. people. She must be. Then you're one of us. Come yeah, on she's, in. like, in the second row of that. Yeah. So um, She was also part of a group that attempted to secure a meeting with the Trump campaign in May 2016 to talk about... Wait for it, the persecution of Christians around the world, which 
is a super interesting topic to many American Christian uh, evangelicals. <laughs> she also helped um, Christian conservative advocate Rick Clay. He made a similar meeting request through Torsion, um, who is her boss. And the email suggested that the Russians believe that they, sh- quote, shared Christian values with the Trump campaign. And he said that he and Butina are both life members of the NRA. Of course. The thing that bugs me is that there's... They didn't do any vetting of her. They just let her in because she said... I believe the stuff you believe, and that just gave her. Well, she's a young, like, pretty white ticket. woman. Like, what could she do wrong in their right. eyes? And they just totally fell for it. Mm-hmm. And the NRA fell for it mm-hmm. because what do they care? Again, if you're if you say you agree with their values, right? Then they just stop asking questions. They'll let you do whatever. It worked for Trump too. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, you support our cause, we'll let everything else right. slide. That is what they did with her, and that is how she basically got her way into the most powerful people in the government to Mm -hmm. the point where she could influence them on these issues. Yeah. And she just got caught. And that also means, and this is kind of what's up in the air now, Uh what does that mean for the NRA? What does that mean for the National Prayer Breakfast when, like, everyone who kind of follows this stuff knows, like, you don't really care about the religion stuff. Right. You could do that in church. Right. This is really about something, like... You got used because people know this is all about politics and networking and lobbying, just like the NRA. Like, if you cared about gun rights, there's other issues that you used to care about. Right. But now it's just a political game for you. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think it's really fascinating to see that, like, this pro-America, like, anti-immigrate, like, this quintessential pro-America group has been infiltrated by the Russians. I find it really funny. Um, <laughs> and there is a um, an article on Slate I saw uh, by Ben Mathis Lilly. Um, and he wrote a paragraph I really enjoyed. Um, it is, Christian conservatives, including Pat Buchanan and Brian Fisher, have fawned over Putin, P- Putin in recent years, um, along with having an, an inst... inst- an affinity for um, authoritarian leadership, these men respect Putin's years-long rollback of gay rights and abortion access. Franklin Graham, for example, gave an interview to a Russian newspaper in 2015 in which he praised Putin for, quote, protecting Russian young people against homosexual propaganda, end quote. Other cultural conservatives see Russia as, quote, Christianity's front line against Islam. Presumably, then, it wasn't hard for Butina, a friendly Russian gun rights activist, to carry favor in these same Christian conservative circles. Again, as soon as you tell them, I care about that one issue, everything else they just stop caring about. They don't look for it. They don't care about it. It is... It is so wild that the the Christian right is willing, and Trump specifically, but it seems like the right in general, are so willing to cry um, persecution, cry enemy, oh, Canada is being mean to us, the EU is our real enemy. But when a country is obviously invisibly and not subtly trying to not just undermine, but infiltrate and and sort of crumple, uh, cripple us from within, they're like, but, but, but no gay people, so everything <laughs> else is fine. It, it, really, right. it, it really is a, a wild thing to me that, that they are so willing to die on the hill of anti-gay activism and 
anti-choice. Just a lip service to religious freedom, too. It, it's just... That really is for them. Yeah, it's just wild to me that, like, they are willing to sacrifice all at the altar of ending women's choice and punishing gay people for being making them slightly uncomfortable and questioning their <laughs> own life. I, I just, it's, it's, when you look at the scale of what's happening right now, the real true scale and what, what the fallout is going to be. And it really is what, because they don't like Brown people and they think abortions are bad. Yep. It'll, everything else slides. It's just, how is that even? They're very narrow tunnel visioned about the things they care about. Is and that if you, why they're winning elections, though? Is it because, because they... Those pe- the, the number of people who have that same tunnel vision about those same few right. issues, are there's a bunch of them. And if you could just say, activate, because mm-hmm. this issue's on the table, all of them go vote. Ugh. Our people <laughs> are like, eh, it's not my favorite person, right. so I'll stay home. Uh, it's a real. Um, I was re- quick sidebar. I yeah. was uh, driving home from work today. I work in Schomburg, so I was taking three fifty five southbound, and around like Swift Road area, I saw this. I'm showing him it a picture. It is two people on top of an three. overpass. Three people on top of an overpass mm-hmm. holding a banner that says "Abortion takes human life." Um, also taking human life, staring at that banner and taking a picture while on the highway, but um, I guess that doesn't matter. I was under control because I not only (laughs) took this picture, but I did flick them off as I drove under the bridge because I'm six years old. But the weirdest (laughs) thing, the most wild thing about it, first of all, it's raining all day in Chicago, but this is maybe three probably high school age, maybe maybe college age young women. Yeah. And th- the weirdest thing about it is two of them are holding the banner and they're all doing like, like a the pageant, like wave. A pageant <laughs> wave. It was the wildest thing I've ever seen. It's quite the billboard. Anyway, so I took a picture and I nice. flicked them off. So I really <laughs> so showed them. So you won them. that round. I <laughs> sure did. And I have dark nail polish so they could definitely see them. <laughs> We're going to come back to politics in a little bit because there's other stories I want to talk about. But let me take a break for a second. And here's a random story about uh, anti-vaxxer Jenny McCarthy. We know she has said, she says she's not an anti-vaxxer. She says she just wants vaccines spread out over time, Shut even though no medical up, expert, McCarthy. no scientist, You took how many pictures of you sitting on a toilet because that's your version of humor. Like, I did too. maybe liked. I'm not going <laughs> to... You're welcome. Um, yeah, I mean, she says she's not a science denier. She is. She doesn't care what the scientists say. Anyway, this isn't even about that, but it goes to show you just how in denial of science and incapable of reason she is. She posts this video on her Facebook page this week and all of her social media that says, uh, quote, haunted just happened in my house. I had to look at the security tape to prove it. Haunted. Oh, I had to look at the security tape to prove it. Ah, Basically saying there's a ghost in her house and she and had security a she had a security it? tape that proved it because the security tape shows her kind of just walking around randomly in the house uh-huh. and then all of a sudden the piano starts playing and no one else Ooh. is there. And you can see the piano. That like, piano has been dead the, for 50 years. <laughs> the way the camera is located, you can't see the keys of the piano, but uh-huh. you can see the piano and it just starts playing out of nowhere. So she posts that. This is like she has proof that ghosts exist. And then you start reading Pack the it comments. In, guys. 
Then you start looking at the comments and base. Oh, by the way, in the video, you can also hear her screaming to her husband, uh, Donnie Wahlberg. I forgot they're married. Where she's like, Donnie, someone just played the piano. Someone just played the piano. He's like, who? (laughs) I don't know, Donald. Donald, it played just now. Anyway, Donald. Donald. Uh, People chimed in with the comments where they're like, "That's, that's not your piano. Google Home turned on, and that's the chime that rings when... Shut the fuck up. Really? I I don't know what activated it in Uh her case, because I I don't use this particular thing. But basically, something in the house got, like, triggered the sensors, and Google's home device, like Alexa or whatever, booted up, and that's the sound that was coming. Uh You could go online and hear it for yourself. Like the chime, it's the exact same one as in her video. She has not responded to those people. So do you think she was earnest and dumb or cynical and dumb? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I think she genuinely didn't know where it was coming from and thought it. But here's the thing. She didn't know where it was coming from. Fine, I'll give her that. Right. But to jump to my house is haunted, it's a ghost. It's like, no, you don't know how to critically think. You didn't even bother exploring this or asking around. You didn't say, where is this noise coming from? Can anyone help me? Was it's... she in the same room with the piano? Yes. And, the and f- she couldn't tell she what couldn't it was not the piano. She just jumps Honey. to it. It's just like, look, all of us have been criticizing her for years for being anti-science, for not re- understanding like how science works and right. why the experts say the things they say. She just proved it for a whole, like, the dumbest possible way, but she did it. Um, Like, it's, it's I'm embarrassed for her, but, like, I don't think she's ever embarrassed for herself, so she doesn't need it from (laughs) me. This is totally off track from everything else going on. This is not further off track than a ghost in Jenny McCarthy's piano. Um, I forgot even where I saw this piece, but uh, it's, it's a legal article that is about to be published in a law journal, and for some reason, it it made it to my inbox and I'm reading it. And here's the setup for it. And I, I found this to be a fascinating thing to read. Like, it took me a couple hours to get through the whole thing, uh-huh. but totally worth it. Okay, very easy to read as someone who's not a lawyer. It's like, oh, I can totally follow this argument. I get what he's doing. Here's the backdrop to make sense of it. Okay. Uh, if you've ever donated blood, you know that they ask you, If you're a man, they ask you, have you had sex with another man Uh in the past year? If the answer is yes, you cannot donate. There is a ban. For women, they ask you, have you had sex with a man who has had sex with another man the last year? Right. And basically, there is a ban on MSN, men who have sex with men. Uh, Technically, or more broadly, it's like, it's a gay ban. It's a ban yeah, on gay men donating blood, but really, really it applies fucked to... fucked up and antiquated. Yeah, and it came from the 1980s. They right. were really worried about AIDS, and they knew blood supply was important, and gay men were more likely to have AIDS. So right. they just said, we're not taking your blood. Yeah, and, and now they have so much blood. That's why they call me once a week to ask <laughs> if, they, if they can have more of mine. <laughs> and the thing is, they have better detectors now. I mean, they're not just taking your blood and pouring it into somebody else. They do the tests. They know how to figure out if your blood is tainted or not. What if that's how it works? Yeah, they're just like, hey, just I need blood. A, like a Capri Sun and just <laughs> squirt. <laughs> Sorry, the straw didn't go through, right? Um, so that oh, ban Christ. exists. Now, here's the thing. The technology is out there to make sure your blood is not 
tainted. Yeah. So, like, we should be able to use that, right? But yet the FDA says, nope, it's still a year. And that's a new ban. It used to be you couldn't donate at all. Period. But yeah. a couple of years ago, literally, a couple of years ago, they said, all right, we'll make it a year. If you've if you had sex with another guy like more than a year ago, fine, you could donate, and then we'll run the test like we do everybody. The phantom HIV will okay. definitely clear it up by then. Anyway, uh, in other countries, they don't do this. Like Japan and the UK, they sh- it's six months or three months. Why is, is it period. even a thing? In yeah. Italy and Spain, they don't have it at all. Well, Italy doesn't have laws. Everyone knows that. <laughs> but basically, <laughs> so my so ancestors why, boogied out. Why is it a year long? Be, there's a couple reasons. One is the religious right does not want, they'll fight tooth and nail to make sure that gay men do not get, like, they're not infiltrating the blood supply. That's one reason. Another one is there is fear from the government that, like, look, if any shit happens with any of the blood that gets donated, maybe it's long shot that even after we test it, but whatever, Mm -hmm. if they trace it back to a gay guy who gave, who happened to have sex with someone, like, a month ago, and it turns out that's tainted... Think about the drama that would ensue from that. And maybe to a lot of people, including gay rights advocates, that's not worth the trouble. Anyway, this is the backdrop. What's my face doing? It's it's very upset. (laughs) And the rolling eyes. Yes. So anyway, here's the thing that this professor did. Uh, His name is, I'm going to say it wrong, whatever, Brian uh, Susek. He is from UC Davis School of Law. His paper basically says there is a way to overturn it. Overturned the one-year ban. Okay. He's like, what would you do if you were trying to come up with a legal argument for how to get rid of that ban? And he said the most, the the easiest answer to give Uh is to say, we've made so much progress on gay rights. You know, the gay marriage is legal, uh, things like that. Can't you just say this is discriminatory against gay people? The problem with that, he says, is it, it would never work, more or less, because... The FDA, the government, will just say, like, look, we don't want to discriminate against them. This is about safety. This is about something unrelated to well, their sexual orientation. Men. We're discriminating against <laughs> men, men who, who have sleep sex with, with men. men. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, that is a legitimate, uh, credible statement coming from their, their thing. We're not, like, just saying, well, we don't like gay people, so let's just institute this. I'm trying they to think have of a, a reason. clever legal workaround. My, <laughs> it's not my a, brilliant legal yeah. mind is failing me. So, well, that's what he's for, right? Like, he can do that. So he's saying the discrimination aspect, probably not going to work. So what he says is... It's an invasion of privacy thing? No. No, because they have to ask yeah. about your risk factors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so basically he says, here's the way you could do it Tell in me. theory. And I'm going to shorten this like long paper that he wrote. But he says, what you do is you pull off what the religious right has been doing for a long time, which is using a religious freedom argument. And he says, if you could find a gay Catholic, let's say, as an example. Some, uh, oh, and they I, don't exist, Hammond. Everyone I, knows that. Mm, and he says, like, let's say you had a gay Catholic who didn't follow Catholic beliefs and actually had sex with other guys, uh-huh. which goes against the church, but whatever, so do a lot of Catholics. So he didn't even, like, doesn't even matter. He said, if you found a gay Catholic who said, look, my religious beliefs say I have to do charity work, and giving blood, according to the Catholic Church, is a really powerful way of helping other people, and if you do that, you're, you're doing good. You're doing something really important in society. The Catholic Church encourages blood donation. And if you could find someone with the sincerely held belief in Catholicism who said, your ban on me being able to donate blood is, is hurting my religious freedom. 
Because what's the alternative? You're saying either I can't donate blood Mm -hmm. and that hurts my religious standing. Or you say you can't have sex for a year, which is another type of, that's a burden that I shouldn't have to deal with. The government telling me you can't have sex for a year. And here's what uh, Brian Susick says. He says, using that argument like that the Hobby Lobby people have used, that Christian bakers have used to get away from it, this is, and I'm going to quote this because it was interesting, he said, the case is a coin toss. Heads, gay rights advocates win because it overturns the ban. Tails, religious conservatives lose. And what he says is, even if we lost the case with this method... A lot of different... The judges would have to give you a reason for it to lose. But wouldn't the reason just be this isn't your only option to do community service? He mentioned that. Okay. uh, Susick mentioned that. He said... at least as smart as a brilliant lawyer. (laughs) Right. He says... um, Actually, let me give you that one. Thank you. Um, Because that's like the whole I'm saying. Yeah, that's... uh, Here's one example of what that means. Um, let's say the judge says we're not going to overturn the ban because the government isn't imposing a, quote, substantial burden on your faith. Right. Because donating blood is a marginal religious practice. You could volunteer at a soup kitchen instead right. and do an act of charity. Right. But what is the judge doing, he asked, the Brian Susick asked. Like, what's the judge doing there? He's saying it's on me to decide which of your beliefs is more important than one, like, than another. You said donating blood is the thing that I need to be able to do. And the judge is stepping in and saying, no, you don't. You could do something else and it would fit your religious rules. But when the judge, so even if you lost, the judge has now stepped in and said, I'm going to decide which of your religious beliefs matter more than the other. And by doing that, you're actually hurting the religious right in the process because they've been able to get away with you know, Hobby Lobby said, I'm not signing a paper that lets me get away from uh, not providing contraception for my employees because this is something that matters to us. And the court said, well, it's not our position to tell you that doesn't really matter. If this is a belief that you have, then we got to side with you. So even if the gay Catholic loses, the judge is now giving this reason, and that could be used against the religious right. And the thing is, there were like five different ways to lose this case, all of which would kind of hurt the religious right. Huh. It was fascinating. Like I said, That's really interesting. interesting. And the Do you think we'll ever get beyond thought experiment? No. <laughs> <laughs> and that was part four of his paper. He said, here's why it'll never happen, oh, or cool. possibly why it won't happen. Like I said, it was fun it's to read. a little bit of masturbation <laughs> on his part then, huh? That's, that's what a law review does. Like, <laughs> let me work through the implications of this. And then at the In end, conclusion. he's like, here's why no one's pursuing this. Like, part of it is maybe they haven't thought of it. Maybe. That's, that's the masturbation part. Like, right. maybe they just haven't thought of it, and I'm the clever one. Right. But realistically, even if this becomes a thing... Uh, here's a, a section I want to quote that I, it was interesting. Trying to advance the rights of gay men, already traditional targets of disgust, mm-hmm. in the context of something as disgust-inducing as blood, you're putting together two things a lot of people really don't like. And you're trying to make an argument for gay rights in a sense. Whereas for like marriage equality, everyone loves marriage. Everyone loves love and you love gay people. It's like, why would you be against that? Right. That was kind of the argument that a lot of people were making. Right. Well, when it comes to blood, it's like, eh, don't even, I'm not even going to get excited about this. Yeah. I'm not going to march about this. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And he said, the other thing is going back to the tainting idea, like 
if this worked and a gay man could give blood and something happened and there was tainted blood in some way, the backlash may not be worth it to them. So maybe that's another yeah. reason they won't pursue it. Anyway. Um, How often I, does that happen, though? How long oh, it's they... very, very rarely. Okay. Because they test it, but they could do more tests I mean, if I'm they sure wanted to. I mean, I'm sure they find, like, tainted blood, but, like, that it gets into somebody else's body is what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, it's like... rare, but it happens. But, the, like, again, you would think that if they were concerned about it, just do more tests. Yeah, um, I mean, it or definitely Or wait, a, wait is... a period of time if you were worried that the blood wouldn't be infected, like, right away and the test didn't catch it. Just do it three months from now before yeah. you use the blood. Whatever. Um, we're going to have a link to that paper if you could, if you want to read it. It's free. It's not one of those buy a journal subscription, whatever. This way, I found it really interesting to read as someone who cares about church-state separation. Sure. And it was just very readable and not jargon-heavy and uh-huh. stuff like. That. Anyway. No, it's really interesting. Random. I thought, yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about? Oh, oh, here's one. <laughs> Let's talk about Dawkins. Oh, what did he do? If that's the right answer. Uh, so Richard Dawkins. Dawkins, who has been more or less controversy-free for a while now. For like three or four years. <laughs> right. Remember he had a minor stroke a couple of years ago? And basically oh, his, doctor, his doctor said, you know what exacerbates this stress that you're having that causes it? Twitter? Controversy and Twitter. <laughs> Stay off. Don't do anything stupid. And he basically stayed off social media for a long time. And uh-huh. now, and even when he came back, he posted really innocuous things just like hey go support this go read that link whatever um he was basically sitting outside a cathedral not like last week and here is basically i think here's what he wanted to say he heard the chimes playing this is his anglican tradition Uh he's he grew up with that music and i think what he wanted to say is that's beautiful music. Mm-hmm. And like, I can be an atheist and say that's beautiful music, even though it's coming from a church. Uh, and he said that before in interviews too, by the way, he said um, in 2013, like, I suppose I'm a cultural Anglican and I see like religious services in a church much through the same eyes as I see a village cricket match on the village green. Sure. I have a certain love for it. Totally, totally understand that. Here's what he wrote with a picture of himself standing, uh, sitting on a bench in front of that church. Here's what he wrote. Listening to the lovely bells of Winchester, one of our great medieval cathedrals. So much nicer than the aggressive-sounding Allahu Akbar. Or is that just my cultural upbringing? Question mark. What is he referring to? Um, so during the Muslim prayer, uh-huh. they use the phrase Allahu Akbar, uh-huh. which is also a phrase that terrorists use before they blow up like a suicide bomb Yikes. in a different context. What's it? Do you have a loose translation? Oh, uh, God is great. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, you know why the suicide bombers are saying it. Uh-huh. And you know why regular Muslims, Ooh, peaceful Muslims Dawkins. are saying it. So he's like, so much nicer than the aggressive sounding God is great. Or is that just my upbringing? Yeah. First of all, yes. It's just your upbringing. Super yes. Because if you grew up in a mosque, that probably sounds nice and comforting to you because you know what it's like. And you the know what they're meaning and you know the context. Um, but the other, like, if you back away from the exact words of the tweet, what did he do? Here's something nice I want to share with you, but let me put down other yeah. people just why, because I can. Oof. And then let me try to defend it by make like, tr- like bashing the social justice people. Like, are you going to be mad at me because it's my <sighs> culture? Like, you, you didn't even have to use the last two lines, but you did. Here's, so anyway, a lot of people responded. A lot of people were angry. I don't really think the comments saying he's racist or Islamophobic have a lot of value to me 
Because I don't think he's sitting there saying, like, I hate brown people. I don't think he's sitting there saying, I hate Muslims. Because he's defended Muslims. He, he was very vocal against Donald Trump's travel ban uh-huh. that affected Muslims. Because, like, he's all for civil rights. Right. He's all for religious freedom. So I don't think it's any of that. I think that those are cheap shots that just you just want to call him a name or you want to put a label on him. Mm-hmm. Those are easy ones to use. I don't, I'm not defending his tweet. It's a stupid, ignorant tweet. Um, but here's the thing that really got to me for so long. How, tell me how many times you've heard atheists, prominent ones especially, say something like this. You know, we condemn religion, but not the religious. We condemn faith, but not the faithful. You know, people deserve respect, but not their beliefs, right? It's our version of that, right? And here he is, like, not criticizing Islam or a specific belief Mm -hmm. within a religion that he thinks is wrong. And even then, he didn't have a reason to criticize it. He's just flat out insulting peaceful Muslims who have a a couple words in a prayer that he doesn't like the sound of it. He doesn't, (sighs) and he doesn't like the tone of it. He doesn't. Like, and it's aggressive, which is a ag- super dog whistly like, term. And then I've also heard a lot of people defending Dawkins, saying, like, well, it's just his opinion. But it's like, no, it's oh, not just oh, a random... it's just his opinion. Cool. I, I think that... He's being a dick on purpose. Like, you can criticize him <sighs> for, the, for saying stupid stuff. I don't think it's coming from a place of hate. I do think it's coming from a place of total ignorance. Yes. And it doesn't help because as, as someone who writes about this stuff, it's like... It's very easy for me to be able to say they're not criticizing you. They're criticizing your beliefs. I, I think it's uh, when Kim Davis was in the news all the time in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, you know, we see all these people criticizing the way she looks, the way she says things. It's like, right. That's don't not do helpful. that. That's not helpful. There's good reasons to dislike the stuff she's doing. Focus mm-hmm. on that. Same thing with like women in the news, too, if they're like Trump. Uh, women in his circles. It's like, oh man, people call them names. That's not helping. There's legit reasons to attack Sarah Huckabee Sanders that have nothing to do with all that other stuff. Uh, And here's Dawkins just saying like, hey, those peaceful Muslims in a church, I don't like the way they sound. I don't like the way they do their prayers even when they're peaceful. Like that is destroying the very narrative that he's trying to push. The wild thing is like there is something in that message that could be interesting about how like, oh, isn't it interesting that something that symbolizes this religion, which I disagree with just as much as that religion, (laughs) this sound brings me comfort and this sound doesn't. Isn't that an interesting way to look at the world of, even though I don't believe in the church, I find that sound soothing. Yeah, say that in 240 characters were solid. Or whatever it is. Okay. He also, tell me who said this. I don't despise religious people. I despise what they stand for. Uh, I like to quote someone who says, I have so much respect for you that I can't respect your ridiculous ideas. That was Dawkins at the Reason Rally in 2012. Like, this is what he said. And then here's this tweet that goes against that. It's not the biggest deal in the world. I realize that. But it's one that I saw so many headlines this week. Criticizing him in British publications mostly, but saying critics call Dawkins Islamophobic. Critics say he's racist. Like, just attacking him, but, like, stepping away from it a bit. Dawkins' life is unforced errors. (laughs) That's such a good way of putting it. He... It's a lot of that. With, with, like, this is definitely a thing that I, like, you know I'm the first person to be, like, just, like, burn all the white men in a fire. We don't need them anymore. (laughs) We've moved past the white men as a concept. 
I, Richard Dawkins is somebody who had a huge influence on me, um, like as sort of a baby atheist. I read The God Delusion like so many people did, and it it really brought me from thinking atheist. You know, whatever. Everybody has that story, yeah. right, of that book that they read. Yeah. And Dawkins is one of those things, like, he keeps saying dumb things, and I can't, I cannot bring myself to not defend him still. He says the dumbest shit. And I'm like, well, let me find the most generous possible reading of this. And it's a thousand percent a flaw on my part. And I'm not <laughs> doing a good job of like being a skeptic or yeah. being like a good social justice person. But ugh, I just want him to do good. Like, I just want him to be a force for good. Right. And, 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 and I that's think the he thing. can he... be. He's I'm in the same position. Idiot. I'm a fan of a lot of the stuff. And then he does other stuff that I'm just like cringing at. It's upsetting because, you know, as an atheist who I'm talking about him, he believes he's an atheist who is a voice of reason. And yet he keeps doing the things, unforced errors, like yes. you said, that make it so easy for everyone else to say, no, he's not. Well, I also think that he suffers from a thing that many, I'm going to go on a white guy rant for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, he suffers from a thing that many um, men in general, white men specifically, tend to fall in that they believe whatever their opinion is was reasoned into and thoughtfully weighed and come to by... It is objective, I guess is what I'm saying. Whatever opinion they have is objectively true. Whereas any time a woman has an opinion, a person of color has an opinion, it is somehow emotionally fraught. And I think when... You know, like, Dawkins isn't just up there calling balls and strikes. He's not just a person who is saying, like... He he says opinions all the time that are obvious... They're subjective on his face. And the fact that he thinks they're objective says a lot about who he is. I mean, he's used to be the smartest guy in a room, right? Like, yes. that's... And he's treated like the smartest guy. And he's treated like the smartest guy because he's an extremely smart man. And, like, the greatest show on Earth is a very good book about evolution, and I would recommend it. But... When it comes to these these moments like this, where it really tips his hand, I've been using a lot of metaphors to, <laughs> to describe Dawkins a lot, a lot of sports metaphors. He tips his hand a lot to be like, I have this opinion, and because of who I am and what people think of me, it's the objective truth. Whereas it's just like a guy with kind of garbage opinions. We all have garbage opinions. We all have opinions that are influenced by our own journey in life and what we've seen and what we've done. So, like, no. And it's not to say people aren't allowed to fuck up or say dumb things. It's just... It's very, very tiresome. And it's disappointing. I think that's been my my word of 2018, is I'm just disappointed (laughs) in everything Um, all the time. Oh, which reminds me, similar to that, is the Elon Musk thing that's been happening. I've been thinking so much about Elon Musk, <laughs> which is a phrase I never thought I'd the say. The plan is working. Oh, my God. Okay. So for those of you who, I mean, it's an international news story. You're not getting this from me. But when the, the um, soccer team, the Thai, the thai, soccer, thai team. soccer team was trapped in the cave and they're trying to figure out a way to, to get them out, Elon Musk was like, here's a submarine, I guess, which like was neither practical <laughs> It just wouldn't work. He swoops in to be the hero, and they're like, "We we can't use." This and he's thing like, you "Fine, made. just let him drown." Like he was <laughs> so pissy about it. Um, and somebody said something to him to that effect on Twitter of like, "It was a bad plan. Why did you do that bad plan?" 
and he called the guy who masterminded saving all of these children's no, no, lives. No, the, the British diver who the British found diver. Them, oh yeah, 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 who them. found them. He called him a pedophile <laughs> because he didn't know why else a grown man would be in Thailand. Which <laughs> fuck? Let's unpack that for a second. Uh, Jesus Christ! Like, do they think Thais only do sexual tourism? Because yikes! Uh, and so it just got me thinking about. There were many tweets, I think, he did defending himself. No, he's and an like, asshole. Yeah. But we talked, was it last week? We talked about separating the art from the artist. Like, that's the thing that I talked about. was a while ago, yeah. Was it yeah, a while yeah. ago? Yeah. And it's a thing that I always, I, that's my favorite, like I said, it's my favorite thing to like. Like, if someone wants to buy me a Tesla, about. I'll still take it. You'll still take it. I'll feel bad, but then I'll start the car. But then you'll start the car and plug it in and never have to pay for gas. Yeah. But. And have those cool door handles that suck into the side of the car. Really? Yeah, you've never... Okay, when you were driving by a Tesla, look, like, there's no external door handles. They, like, suck into the side of the car. And there's nice. just, it's very cool. Um, you but, were talking about separating. <laughs> but we're living in an interesting time where we hear from everybody at all times. So, 100 years ago, Elon Musk is giving us these revolutionary inventions arguably a little bougie inventions that aren't super helpful for the most poor among us, but that's another conversation for another day. But we don't know what Thomas Edison thought about like little things. And he was probably a big fucking dick. Like Albert, (laughs) like Stephen Hawking cheated on his wife. Albert Einstein was kind of a nightmare to his wife. Like, we're living in such an interesting, which where we get to see this firsthand right. coming right from them, and so now it's like everything is Going. tainted and nothing is good. And <laughs> basically, all he has to do is get off Twitter, and like we're good. <laughs> there, um, it reminded me. This is going back to the Dawkins thing. It reminded me of something Christopher Hitchens wrote about in God Is Not Great, which is that going back to the cultural like Dawkins heard the bells he's like this is what I'm used to it sounds beautiful uh-huh. the Muslim prayers I'm not used to it's aggressive and evil whatever yeah. um, Christopher Hitchens had a section where he was recounting what some Christian apologist had said to him like if you were walking down the street late at night and you saw someone coming toward you with a Bible wouldn't you feel better like you wouldn't feel scared Hitchens about said that this? He was recounting what an apologist oh, had oh, said oh, to him. Gotcha, gotcha. Wouldn't you, Christopher Hitchens, feel better seeing somebody late at night who had a who was coming Across from Bible study? Street, I'll tell you that right who, now. Who was coming from Bible study and had a Bible in his yeah. hand, uh, thinking the thinking being like, you would feel better. Religion is good. Mm-hmm. And Hitchens was like, no, I wouldn't feel better. And here's a list of reasons why I wouldn't feel better about mm-hmm. that. Um, but the point is, like, what's comforting to one person is not necessarily the same for well, other and, people. And I think that's also another problem with with men with opinions like this is a, a delusion of universality of your own experience. Of this is how I felt about a thing, so this is how everybody should feel <laughs> about this. And you see this, it manifests itself most on, tw- on like, Twitter and Facebook and things like that when somebody's like, oh, I liked the new Wonder Woman movie. Yeah. And a guy will like faux earnestly be like, I really didn't like about it. Can you give me a beat by beat explanation of what you <laughs> liked about it? Because he's so like, so unable to, to separate fit. himself from like objectivity versus subjectivity. He's like, well, I didn't like it. What could a human ever enjoy <laughs> about this? Tell me woman in your womanly ways. What about right. this was funny? It's, I don't watch that TV show. Therefore, I don't get why all these people like that TV oh my show. God. I, you know what I finally got to do? 
<laughs> so I found this like little graphic meme thing, and it's like a shitty photo tro- photoshopped trophy that says on it, like it's engraved, like you hate a thing people like. <laughs> and, I've Congratulations. Ha- and I've had that for like a year and I finally got to use it the other day and I was so proud of myself. Nice. It was so, it was just literally like, hey, and I was like sitting at my desk at work like, oh, this is a meaningless thing that I'm excited about. God, what is my life? Uh, here's a short, quick, uh, different story. Uh, P-R-R-I, the polling group, they recently did a study about American democracy. It was really lengthy, but they asked one particular question that I was thought was interesting. Uh, they asked, you know, is the fact that we are growing more diverse, I'm paraphrasing here, is the fact that we're growing more diverse as a nation a positive development? Oh, God. And 64% of Americans said it was. Hey, yeah. I was not sure where that I was know, going. I know. 85% of Democrats said the trend was a good one, that we are becoming a less white Wait, let nation. Wait, like we're getting math. The, 65% overall. Overall, 85%, 85% Democrats. Of, hmm, what is the... Uh, mm-hmm. 43% is are Republicans. <laughs> oh, you don't say. Um, but when you break it down by religious demographics, uh, by and large, most people did not see this as a bad thing. You could have said, well, it doesn't... It's not... I don't think about it. Like, I don't yeah. care. That's a, I could understand that reasoning. Like, I don't know that it's good. Like, if it's more diverse, it is what but it is. is what it is. I could understand that. Yeah. So when it comes to who thought it was a bad thing, uh, when it came to Catholics, only 32%. I mean, that's a lot, but like 32% of them said it was thing? bad. Oh, that's actually really surprising. Uh, I thought that would be the biggest group. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, religiously unaffiliated, the group we're in, 23% said it was bad. That was among the lowest so That's yes, higher than I'm but it's still with. higher than uncomfortable. Yeah, the only group that was more than half of them said no, it's a bad thing that America white evangelicals. Jesus Christ! Yep, they don't like that there are going to be more brown and black people in the country, which is a little weird because guess where Jesus was from? Uh, he was from Detroit, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep, um, Middle Eastern, that guy. And there you go. Uh, one Christian author named Nate Pyle said this on Twitter, and it's worth quoting. Evangelicals go on mission trips to non-white countries to love on the people, yes. but they don't want to love them as actual neighbors. Yes, yes, yes. I've well seen said. that. I've seen that in like several iterations. And, <laughs> and by the way, so excellent. This thing, uh, they also, the same polls at 77% of white evangelicals, 77% maintain oh, a favorable dog. opinion of Donald Trump. And that was before like this month and all the shit that's gone down. 77%, 81 voted for him in 2016. And in essence, his favorability so has gone down point. a little bit. <laughs> like, is there still, is there a, he could kill a fetus and they wouldn't care. Oh my God. Is there a historical parallel to present day white evangelicals who claim a moral high ground, but regularly tend to do ob- objectively amoral things? This uh, isn't a question. The I'm answer like, is probably yes, and I can't think of it off the yeah, top of my head. Yeah, I was thinking it maybe has something to do with like germ- like people who supported the you rise of Hitler. You can send your answers to at Blueberry. I mean, no, this isn't, I'm not like being a dick. I'm <laughs> no, no, genuinely no, I, curious. Like, there, I know there is a, a cultural parallel or a there historical has to parallel. Be of people who say one thing and totally... 
Yeah, or who, who, who specifically like claim moral authority and regularly are objectively immoral when it comes to like taking care of their fellow man. Yeah, I don't know. There must be something there in like 1930s be. Germany, right? There must be a group that was like... The best thing that could happen for evangelicals is they get blown out in 2018 and 2020 and they have to go back to figuring out what the hell being an evangelical means. But I don't know. I, I, I'm just... Let's go to a happier story. Fine. <laughs> in Alabama, Jefferson County, there's a county commission, and there's an election for the county commission, and two women were running in the Democratic primary last month cool. for one particular seat on there. One of them was the one who had the seat. She was re-election, running for re-election. The other one happened to be, I think she was a former commissioner who was now somewhere else, and now she wanted her seat back, whatever. Uh, two women were running for it, the one whose name is Sandra Little Brown, mm -hmm. that's her name. She's the one who's the incumbent who wants to save her seat. Uh, both women got 46% of the votes wow. in their primary. It was virtually a tie. They had a runoff. Holy cow. Yeah, so they had a runoff this week. So they had a month, basically, to go from, oh, we tied, none of us won. We uh. got to do it again in a month. And Sandra Little Brown put out an advertisement okay. that was sent to people in the county that basically had a fake ballot with her name bubbled in, uh -huh. which, okay, fine, I, I get it. Um, first of all, her name was in way bigger font than her opponents, <laughs> which that's just dickish, but all right. Uh, but it's then marketing, at, my dude. But, like. but, yeah, exactly. But then at the bottom, it said, supported by Jesus Christ and his followers. No! <laughs> <laughs> her ad said she had the endorsement of Jesus. Which, as someone has pointed did he out, write that? Like, she wrote that right on the advertisement. Did Jesus write that? Oh, did he? I'm sure that? he did. Um, as one person said, like the last thing we need is another foreigner meddling in our elections. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the best part: they had the election this week. She lost. <gasps> <laughs> but Jesus supported her. Not enough. Jesus didn't support he? her enough. Uh, so Sheila Tyson will be the new <laughs> Jefferson County Commissioner. I That's looked on Sandra Little Brown's social media. I sent her a like a question through what Facebook. What was the question? Uh, hey, you lost the race. Do you have anything to say about how Jesus... And, uh, it was a dickish question, but I wanted to oh, answer. Oh, you don't say you, haven't <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what do you say now that you lost the race about Jesus supporting you? I think that was my version of the question. Mm. She never responded. I don't even know if she... I got a red notice on Facebook. Oh. I don't know if she saw it. Um, but it was sent to her official page. Uh, that said, she has not said a word about it since she lost. She has said, like, you know, we ran a good race, whatever, all the usual concession stuff. She hasn't mentioned Jesus at oh all. Oh, my God. That's hysterical. Oh, so Jesus didn't help her. In Alabama. Ay, ay, ay. That's great. I mean, they saw through her ruse. <laughs> I have a couple other... I have two more quick ones, but... Uh, um, can I go do... For one? Yeah, I've only contributed a tiny bit. Um, so la I think it was last week we talked about Darla Shine. Oh, yes. She's the one who wanted to use the N-word really badly, <laughs> and her husband's now, like, the communications dude for uh, Trump? Communications director, question mark? Sure. Apparently I didn't write that down. I'm not a good journalist. Is he Scaramucci, but not Scaramucci? Um, no, that's... I think Huckabee Sanders is Scaramucci, isn't she? Maybe. I don't, I don't know. I can't keep track of these people. Yeah. What um, did Darla Shine do now? 
Oh, she was just chill. I just wanted to bring her up. Mm-hmm. No, JK, she's super not chill. She <laughs> used to have a show called The Darla Shine Show, mm-hmm. which her name is Darla Shine. There are so many puns in there. And she went Darla <laughs> Rise Shine Show. Rise and shine. See, I mean, that You're was welcome. just like off the top of the dome. Yeah, you're you asking somebody five... who came up with FAP as a podcast name, so <laughs> whatever. I get no credit for anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, so she's married to Bill Shine, so she herself is not an elected official or an appointed official in any way, but, like, let's rag on her, huh? Okay. What else do we have to do? <laughs> There's so many targets. Um, so in 2009, which is a minute ago, she called herself a sexist, and she said, are you ready, Hammett? She didn't mm-hmm. say, are you ready, mm-hmm. Hammett? That mm-hmm. was me, Jessica. Yes. Quote, <laughs> you know, there is just a story that these girls, these women who are upset that they are sexually harassed in the military. What do you think is going to happen when you go on a submarine for 12 month, months with 4,000 horny soldiers? So what? They deserve to get assaulted? Yeah. yeah. So. I can't believe her husband worked at Fox News. Yeah. And got fired from Fox News because he handled sexual harassment claims so poorly. And the White House is like. Come on in. <laughs> Hello, comrade. <laughs> Welcome home. <laughs> um, that sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I have is about um, <laughs> Republicans hating gay people. Do you want to get to that or Go do you want to do something else? Do I, I mostly just copied Tell me this about article. this. I've never heard about this before. Yeah. So, you know how Republicans are pro-life and pro-family and yes, just really they love all people and, and not people. And all that. Um, the House Appropriations Committee on Wednesday passed an amendment following a taxpayer-funded adoption aid, allowing taxpayer-funded adoption agencies to, deli- to deny LGBTQ families the ability to adopt a child based on religious objection. If I, if I have this right, because I think we did a story on this. If I have this right, what they said is if your state doesn't uh, give money, if it doesn't fund faith-based adoption agencies, mm-hmm. you're basically going to get punished for it. Like, we're going to get you unless you support discriminatory adoption agencies. Yeah, so if this goes through to the final bill, it would cut 15% of federal adoption funding to states and localities that uh, penalize adoption agencies that refuse to place children, aden- children family Families in conflict with the agencies, quote, sincerely held So if belief. the states are saying we don't want you to discriminate because that would be bad for kids and we're not going to support that. They're going to cut funding. Then the government says, no, you you're get, not going to do that. We're going to hurt the kids federal instead. Funding. Like, y'all <laughs> so are being too over, nice to these kids. Yeah, we're going to make sure they don't get adopted, all um, of them. Yeah, I mean, it's an all-around disappointing and... Like, totally typical, by the way. So I, I just haven't... I don't know how many times per week I can say this, but, like, really, we're having this conversation still? Only because they're in power. Once they're not, it's like, oh, some one dude no, said that thing, and we November, can ignore it. Please. Um, so the vote in committee uh, was 29 to 23. It was along party lines. Of course. The only exception was um, Scott Taylor, who's a Republican from Virginia... He was the only Republican mm-hmm. vote against the amendment. And he said, I mean, he had some, some good quotes here. He said, House Republicans are pandering to their far-right base at the expense of LGBTQ people and children in need of a home. 
Whoop. Nope. I lied. That wasn't him. I'm sorry. I was gonna say. <laughs> That's my bad. I misread my quote. That was from Democratic National Committee <laughs> LGBTQ media director mm. Lucas Acosta. Thank you. That's on me. Wait, what did y'all. the Republicans say who uh, um, cross party lines here? I'm really curious about that he when said, you find that. He said nothing. He said, all right. I'm so sorry. Sorry, I re- Scott Taylor. Just the way, because they're like in the paragraph, they're like, Scott Taylor did this. And then it started with a oh, quote. Yeah. I was like, oh, cool. Scott Taylor. So did he, did he vote along party lines? No, no. He voted against the amendment. He's the only yeah. Republican who okay, voted well, against it. We don't it, know why yet. But we don't have a quote okay. from him. Um, yeah. I, it's, I mean, Acosta well, good still on has him some, anyway. good, some good quotes rather than focusing on empowering families. Or uniting children with their parents, Republicans on the House Appropriations Committee voted to give child welfare agencies license to discriminate across the country. LBGQ candidates are uh, running for office, taking a stand against the Trump GOP agenda. It doesn't mean it's going to stay in the bill, but it definitely got through this. It doesn't part mean it's going it, to stay in hurdle. the bill, but it is. I mean, it's what we're dealing with on yeah. the right, and like I. This is what happens when you put Republicans in power. It really, and I. I want to be really clear that I, I'm obviously very liberal and there isn't a real world that I could see myself voting conservative in any, for any reason. That said, I believe the country is stronger with two reasonable parties. I think that political discourse is important. So I, I believe the way to alleviate poverty is to provide government funds to make sure families, children, people have mental health care, have a roof over their head, have food every day. To me, that is the way to get people off the streets, say. I'll do you one better. You could have a government with many competing parties if you just elect Democrats. Mm-hmm. And they would just... Yeah. All the infighting would yeah. take care of all of that. But... But these views just but, totally... They should be out of bounds. They yeah. should be on the fringe... Like, let the churches say this crazy right. stuff. Why is this in the government? And and 20 years ago, there could have been an interesting debate on what's the best way to end poverty. The Republicans think this. The de- Democrats think this. Maybe the answer is somewhere in the middle. Maybe it's closer one end or the other. But these are people who have no interest in ending poverty. Right. They have no interest well, in Well, they don't want the government doing it. And they so don't want the government doing anything except for holding queer people back, holding women back, and what making... It, and it's, then staying out of your lives. And then staying out of my <laughs> lives until it comes to, like, I have a job and I want birth control and my evangelical boss is like, no, and I, I, it's, just, it's just astounding that they can hold these truly duplicitous beliefs and pretend that there are these on it. It's just... It's yep. this power grab. It is these... Somebody, um, there's a, uh, a, a conservative commentator and analyst who was on Pod Save America this week, and he made a really compelling point that he said, what is the point of being in the Senate? What is the point of serving your country if you're going to kowtow to whatever the president wants or to whatever, like... I read somewhere, maybe it was Vox, like, the slogan for the Democrats should just be, checks and balances, vote Democrat. That's That yeah. should be their new slogan. Like, what do you think your job is, GOP senators? Like, you're not holding up your end of the bargain. Your end of the bargain is to keep the executive branch in check. Yeah. You're literally laying over and showing your tummy to him like a scared dog. 
It's a dog metaphor, Hammond. That was good. There's a there's a lying dog right here. Yeah, I took I took a picture. Daddy's <laughs> uh, literally lying at Hammond's feet, and it's the most darling thing I've ever is seen. It? Is it? That's yeah, cute. Let's make fun of Ken Ham. We haven't done that yet. Uh, um, yes. So Did he get bigger suits? Is he wearing David Byrne suits now? <laughs> He's not there yet. So uh, astronomers at Germany's Max Planck Institute Institute for Astronomy, uh, basically they put out a couple papers recently where they said we captured an image of a baby planet. We see it being formed in a star system far, far what? away. It's really neat. And basically, how do they do this? What they can do is to say, like, they have telescopes strong enough to kind of see different galaxies. That shouldn't be that surprising at this point. Yeah. And what they could see is like, well, in the solar system there, around the stars, you could see gas and dust kind of <sighs> swirling around the star. But if the swirl that you expect to see has some sort of deviation in it, something's got to be causing that deviation, and it's usually a planet. But if you can't really see it, like you might be seeing the formation of a planet. Cool. I could totally have that wrong because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But that's my understanding it, of it. it. Would it just be like when the dust and whatever clumps up enough, it starts to have its own gravitational pull and that affects? Mm, that's a good question. Maybe. I, okay. I, don't ask me. Anyway, the I point is already. the people who know what they're talking about said we, th- we see a planet in the process of forming. And that's an amazing thing because we've never gotten such a clear indication of that before. So it's awesome. Yay, science. So uh, Answers in Genesis, the Ken Ham organization, they do a show similar to the one we're doing now where they talk about news events, but it's all their stuff. Yeah, Ann and I talked about when they talked about (laughs) you specifically. Oh, great. And it made me feel extremely uncomfortable. (laughs) So uh, it was Ken Ham talking with uh, Dr. Georgia Purdom, their resident PhD, and one other guy, their co-host Bodie Hodge. They were all talking about this story because here's the dilemma for them. These scientists say this thing is in the process of forming um, and... It suggests that new planets are getting created, uh-huh. and it suggests that our planets, like, not just that planets can be created, but that the story of our solar system that is billions of years old uh-huh. has some credibility to it. And that doesn't mesh with their creationist, the Earth is a few thousand years old, the universe is a few thousand years old, doesn't right. mesh with that. So they were trying to make sense of this story. And, like, how do you do that? And here's how they dismissed it, Okay. What they said, uh, this is Ken Ham talking. Uh, this, here's a school, for instance. Sorry, let me step back. Ken Ham's like, they're going to teach about this stuff in school and they're going to brainwash the kids. And what they're going to say to I the like students... I like my brainwashing better. <laughs> here's what they're going to tell students. Oh, here's a planet being formed. This is a planet being formed right here. But wait a minute. They need to stand, ba- stand back and think, how do they know that? There's something there that they see, and they're assuming, because they believe the whole universe is evolving, that a planet's being born, and I'm still quoting, they didn't see it being born. Like, what, the star's gonna pop it out on pregnancy, like, birthday? It's a C-section, but yeah. Yeah, like, what is he expecting them to see? Stars don't have vaginas, Emmett, don't be ridiculous. That's what I was going for. Like... (laughs) Again, it's his classic, like, were you there? Yeah, they're there. They see it. it. That's what they're reporting on. (laughs) And then later on, they're like, (laughs) they said there's no way the planet could be born because God created everything in that first six days, according to Genesis, whatever, the first few chapters of Genesis. (coughs) Mm -hmm. So nothing can be created like a planet. So they were like, it's not a planet being born. If they spotted a planet, it's already there. It's not a baby 
it's just Baby. been there and they didn't know it before. Basically, they're like, well, this can't be true because that's not what the Bible says. I mean, he's making so we're a, just dismissing it. He's really leaning into the God of the gaps thing, right? Of like, <laughs> if we can't figure out why it's happening, it must be God. But he's also being like... He's also like, those scientists are just wrong. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> also like, oh, that's happening. But it's not God, sorry. Yeah, his explanation is My the bad. scientists, there's no way they discovered anything. They're just making up for an, an explanation for what's already out there. Right. And the funniest thing about this is if you look at the papers the, the Astronomy Institute published, um, I took a screenshot of one of them. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of PhDs as the co-authors on this paper. Really? And here's Ken Ham like, none of these no. people know nope. anything. Mm, so nope. just cracked me up. Yeah, there's something really... Um, God, impressive definitely isn't the right word, but I'm going to use it anyway, of somebody who's like, hey, you people have spent your entire adult life studying a thing. <laughs> you fucked up. All of, yeah, all Which, of it's a lie. You know what, lie. that's not fair, because that's kind of what we say to religious people, so... <laughs> PhDs here all the time anyway. It's all right. <laughs> They're used to it. Uh, I saw <laughs> Somebody was super mad that we call PhDs doctors. <laughs> like they're like, doctors mean something, and they're like, PhD doctor is right there in the name. I don't know what to tell you, my friend. I'm gonna end on a happy note. Cool. Uh, this is my happy thing for the week because this is a really cool story, and it's cheating because yeah, because you can never story. think of anything because nope. there's no joy in your life because you have a black heart <laughs> and two kids. It's the same <laughs> thing, but. Uh, the American Humanist Association this week, they launched something called the Humanist Legal Society. And for the most part, it's like, what is, what's the big deal? There are atheist lawyers, like FFRF has atheist lawyers, whatever. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, like, if you think about Brett Kavanaugh, nominated to the Supreme Court, mm -hmm. where did Donald Trump get that name from? He got it because he said the Federalist Society <gasps> nominated, uh, he said the Federalist Society gave him a list of acceptable judges to them because these are people the Federalist Society has vetted. Yeah. They are sufficiently conservative. So the AJ is doing... Oh, my so God. So the AHA basically is saying we're creating a humanist legal society, which is going to be a network yeah. of atheists, humanists, whatever the hell you want to call yourself, lawyers who support, think about this, church-state separation, um, women's rights, sizes. LGBTQ rights, uh, science-based reasoning, like evidence-based reasoning. Really radical things like that. Crazy things, which somehow will get taken as... These are far left issues. Yeah, you know science, the, the, <laughs> the leftist meme. Right? And also ethics in government because they're humanists. They yeah. care about ethics. Yep. So ethics in government and public and law enforcement too. So all these things, if you are a judge or a lawyer or a law student, uh -huh. they want you to join this society. It's free. They mostly you're part of a network. Do they right? need a marketing writer? Um, I'm sure they don't, but whatever you can <laughs> ask them. Um, but they they launched this society, and they call it a network of legal professionals dedicated to promoting and protecting humanist values. Yes. And again, this is not an equivalent to the Federalist Society because they have money and decades of experience under their belts to the point where they can hand a president a list and say. Here, pick these people, yeah, and the president this is, does this it. is 40 years um, in the future. Is that 
well, they would have any sway, right? Optimistic at best. It's a long shot. Yeah. All of this stuff is a long shot. But imagine a, a separate parallel bizarro world mm-hmm. where you have a sane person well, in we office. We took scientists seriously. Yeah. I'd love to live in that world. And you have a sane person. And they were like, well, I want to consider, you know, appellate judges. I want to consider district court judges. Yeah. Who should I be thinking of? Well, who do they go to? They go to people they trust. They go to experts in that field who they support. Uh-huh. And they say, who do you think? And they get the nomination. Obama had like a giant list of from various groups, I believe, saying like these are qualified people who know what they're doing and they're not interested in legislating their beliefs. They know how to inst- like to apply the law. Right. Um, and so this is an attempt at saying like, well, not only are they supporting the issues we specifically care about, uh-huh. um, but they're also self-described atheists, agnostics, humanists. Right. So good. I'm excited. Yeah, that's it's, really great. It sounds like a wonderful idea. Yeah. This is something that shouldn't be exclusive to us, as in like we shouldn't be the only people happy about it. Anyone can get on board with this in the sense that, oh, yeah, they're supporting values I support too, even if uh, yeah. I'm a religious person. The same way separate church and state benefits both the church right. and the state. So good luck. I hope it goes yeah. well. But yeah, that's yeah. a really neat development. I'm glad they're doing it, and I'm not surprised that uh, – David Neosi, who is the HA's legal mm-hmm. uh, director, is one of the people behind this because he's uh, really good at coming up with good ideas for Great. a lot of the activists. That's, work, that so. is very, very so, good So, yeah, news. awesome. There's, there's my happy thing. Yeah, you got it. I have nothing else happy to share. <laughs> um, my happy thing since you didn't ask. <laughs> <laughs> oh, first of all, I finished Nadia's season of The Great British Bake Off last night and, like, cried about it. <laughs> I was... It just, like, felt really good to have something pure in the world. It just, I loved it so much. <laughs> I'll give um, you one habit. You know what I listen to? Pod, not Pod Save America. <laughs> no, I don't listen to it. Um, the, <laughs> the Pod Save America guy, John Favreau, did oh, The Wilderness. wilderness. Is was, it good? I listened to all four episodes that they released right at once. Yeah. Uh, it was really good. Part of it was, like, hearing clips of the Hopi changey stuff from 2008, which is like, all mm. right, that time existed. It's but nostalgic. it's getting to the point where he's like, all right, here's how Democrats need to change for the future. Yeah. And here's what Democrats are doing wrong. But, like, we want it to succeed. So mm-hmm. here's how we do it. So it was good. So I liked it. if you're not familiar, it's John Favreau, who is a former, oh God, I speech think he's writer. a speechwriter for Obama. And he... Um, is on the crooked media thing, so he does Pod Save America and things like that. He's a really... I, I was so slow on the Pod Save America train because I was like, the last thing I need in my media diet is like <laughs> more, more white dudes. Yeah. No, more white dude opinions. <laughs> Got it. But it's extremely good. Like, I really, really, really... I'm, I'm grateful that it's part of my my media diet now. Um, but so he's doing a sort of more documentary, docuseries sort of podcast thing, um, exploring the the Democratic Party and what the history and the future and what we've done poorly and what we need to do better. Um, and I, I will get around to listening to I need a, a little bit of a break <laughs> from. But, but I, I mean, I trust John Favreau. I think he's a, yeah, it was a, a good, really it was bright a good dude. Series. Episode four is the one that was less about all the past Hopi yeah. change stuff and, and getting into here's what we need to do moving forward. And it also, I, I think it's a thing that... I don't think it's unique 
of Democrats, but I also, I mean, I don't have my finger on the pulse of, of conservative politics. I was, but like, is there an equivalent to Republicans of like, what are we doing shitty? How are we losing people? He, didn't, he How only can we briefly change? mentioned it, but uh, the closest analog to that, not a podcast, but it was in 2012 when Romney lost, and they're like, God, we lost again to Obama, uh, what where they, they did it? that autopsy the report autopsy. where they said, you know, we need to make sure Latinos feel at home in the Republican Party. We are not doing that right now. Oh, they and super here's how we can, that. Yeah, Good here's how we can change that. And what did, but here's the thing what did Republicans do with that report? That was actually a sensible report. They ignored it completely. Huh. And yes, they won now, but who knows? I mean, obviously, who knows what will happen in the future? Yeah, but they didn't win. But on the their question term is if stretch. they have the short term win now and they die as a party as a result, oh, yeah. we're, we're going to look back at that autopsy like, you had a chance to change the party mm-hmm. and you failed. This is a chance to kind of say, like, okay, we lost miserably as Democrats. Right. So now that we have the opportunity, yeah. what can we fix about us that everyone hated so much in 2016? Right. And, and th- maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, I think there's a strength to liberals in general in that way of, of introspection. I mean, like, how many fucking think pieces did we see in late 2016 and early 2017 about, like, what happened? What did Democrats mm-hmm. do? How did we lose people? It's Who did we lose? It's currency for liberals. It, it, I think mean, pieces. it really is. Oh, my God. We love a think piece <laughs> as a liberal people. Um, and, and also, I feel like there is some, like, self-awareness of, you know, how many times have I been like, oh, I was peak white liberal person because I drove 20 minutes out of my way to not go to Hobby Lobby and go to Michael's and stuff. Like, <laughs> I, I think there's a self-awareness that liberals tend to have that I don't see in conservatives of like, when have you seen a conservative person being like, Ugh, I was stereotypical conservative. I brought my gun to the rally and waved an American. Like, have you been on Twitter? <laughs> no, but they, but didn't you hear the sarcasm in my sarcasm yeah, yeah, yeah. in my, my voice? They don't have sarcasm. No. They don't own, they don't have irony anymore. They have, no, that's what people do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that, oh my God, that got me on a weird rant. Anyway, my happy thing, again. Yeah. Oh, thank you for asking him. You're man. welcome. It really means a lot. Uh-huh. I, I, you want to know about my life? <laughs> How was <laughs> your week? Actually, you know what? My week was pretty good. I had a doubleheader on Wednesday night. Um, <laughs> Did I, you win? No, I didn't win right. either. I reached base. A grand total of zero times. It was a garbage outing for me. My pitch count was high. It was just a mess. But (laughs) my happy thing is on uh, Thursday, this coming Thursday, as you hear this, if you've listened to it when we put it out. I'm sorry. I'm very tired. It's midnight. (coughs) This is a late recording for us. What ifs? Um, I'm leaving for Pacific Northwest. I'm going nice. to Seattle. I'm going to N- N- Squano- Squanomi Falls. Squa- sure. Squanomi Falls. I don't know, wherever Twin Peaks was filmed. Oh. I'm going to Twin Peaks Fest. I'm very excited <laughs> about that. I'm medium excited about that. I'm most excited to like hang out in Seattle, going down to Portland, seeing um, Lee and Amanda, who if you subscribe to or if you're a donor, you've heard them on the Fables podcast. Oh, fun. Meet it's, them at their home turf. Yeah, we're going to go, uh, we're staying at their place one night, and then we're going to drive to the coast. Look at you traveling everywhere. I know, That's we're going to awesome. rent a car and everywhere, everything Sweet. like adults. We're going to drive to the coast and Cannon Beach where they filmed Goonies. Have you heard of Goonies? Heard of it. Tell me one thing about it. No. Okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to like spend the night on the coast and drive up through wine country. I'm just very, very, very excited to have like a cool vacation. We don't get to do this very much, and I'm looking forward to it. 
very much. Have fun. I don't know what we're doing next week. Maybe yeah. we'll do an episode. Maybe we'll uh, post an interview. One or the other. Yeah, we'll y'all it out. might not hear from me for two weeks, or maybe I'll be here next week. It's hard to say. Have fun on your trip. I will have figure fun on my out. trip, and I'll let you deal with this. Yeah, I'll just talk to an empty mic. It's all good. <laughs> Sneaking into your house, by the way. Um, <laughs> if you need, Daddy will be your co-host. Awesome. Uh, oh, we're just going to leave her here in the house. You know how to find us. Come, uh, yeah, uh, I'm at Heaven Meta on Twitter. I'm at Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-I-E. Um, Go to Patreon slash Friendly Atheist Podcast. Yeah. Um, we haven't had listener mail in a few weeks, so if you have any... Why don't you have questions for us? Yeah, I... What are the we existential really, crises in your we're life? We're really wise. I think everything <laughs> I've said has really lent itself to... Maybe all the questions have already been answered. somebody who you turn to for advice <laughs> is the answer swearing or yelling about white men. Those are answers I can provide. Um, iTunes, rate, review, subscribe. Um, we'll be around. And donate. Yeah, okay. All right, bye. Yeah. <laughs> bye.